So turn with me to Psalms chapter 34 and verse 4. Psalms 34 and verse 4 says very simply, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. That means I'm in a happy place when I get to spend time with God, and I'm tuned into God. I'm happy. It's not a chore. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to go to the one who spoke the universe into existence. I get to talk to him, and God still speaks. The same voice that spoke the worlds and the universe into existence, the same voice that spoke and the Red Seas parted, the same voice that declared from the heavens that this is my son in whom I am well pleased, that same voice is looking and speaking to you, saying, I love you. You're the apple of my eye. You mean everything to me, and I will never let anything happen to you because I am your God. I am your father. I am your protector. I am your provider. Everything that I have planned for you is blessing and favor. That same voice that thundered throughout the universe who roared when he declared that Jesus was his son and that he was pleased. That same voice speaks, but he doesn't speak in a thunderous boom anymore. The voice of God now comes to you in the still and quiet places. If you're at your kitchen sink, you're in your car, in your cubicle, in your prayer closet, in your bed at night, he sneaks in carefully, quietly, and he whispers in your ear, I have great plans for you. You will do great exploits in my name. You are worth my life. The price I paid for you is the best thing I've ever done. The blood I shed for you was not by accident. It was on purpose because I saw you were condemned to die. I saw that you were kidnapped and held for ransom by an enemy that meant harm. So I gave you my life to pay for your freedom. That's what he's whispering in your heart every day. And when you have questions and he's wondering where, and you're wondering where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? How am I going to get through this? God, who do I turn to? I have no peace. What's next? God will sneak in and whisper in your ear, I've got this child don't you worry, everything's going to be all right. That's the word. God speaks to you. So God still speaks, but it's not in the thunderous roars. It's in the quiet and the still of the time that you spend with him. There's two types of people. There are people who know what they want, and then there's people who don't know what they want. It's pretty simple, y'all. There's people who know what they want, and then there's people who don't know what they want. People who spend time with God and they hear from God, those are happy people. They're happy. They know what the desires are in their life. 
They seem to have it all figured out. Now, how do we know they've got everything under control? How do we know that they're happy? It's because in the presence of God is fullness of joy, the Bible says. So people who spend time with God hear from God, and they are happy. They have it figured out. There is direction in their life. There's clarity in their life. They have fulfilled desires. They have a sense of accomplishment. They lay their head down at night knowing that they have done their best for God and they have fulfilled the calling for that day. The desires of the Lord were fulfilled. Their desires were fulfilled. And they rest and they walk in happiness. They know where they're going and they know why they are going. They're driven by passion and their motives are pure. They are living a life by design. They have figured it out. They have laid out the plans. They have strategic moves already in place. They are a disciplined people. And what started out as a hard discipline soon became a God-given desire, which was fun. Serving God can be fun. It is not a task. It is not trouble. It is not a weight. It is fun to serve God. The world will tell you otherwise, but I tell you this from experience. Serving God has been the best time of my life, and if you're not serving Him and walking out the desires that He's placed in you, you're missing the mark, but it's not too late. God can pull you in and show you what His plans are for you. Because you walk in a discipline and a desire of God, it's not a job anymore. It's a joy. It's not, a chore. it's not a chore anymore. It's a choice. It's not discipline anymore. It's a desire. I need you to get this in your mind, that, the, that it's, it is going to be a joy to serve the living God. It is not a task. People who talk to God and hear from God and are fulfilling the desires God laid in their heart, they have learned to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then they discover that everything they'll ever need after that point will be provided for them. They seek first the kingdom of God. They seek first. It means to, to make God's voice the loudest voice in your life. All the other things and voices that are grabbing for your attention and trying to confuse you with a lot of loud, confusing thoughts and clamor and drama, God's voice is the loudest thing in there, and it's very clear. I hear Him above all the other chatter in my life. God's voice is the loudest. People who hear from God and walk in their desires, their desires line up with God's desires. The desires that I have are the same desires God has. I'm walking in tandem and in unity with God. But if I am wishing revenge on somebody, and I think harm for them, they've messed with me, they've messed with my family, they've hurt me, they've lied on me, they've rejected me, they've laughed at me. If I want revenge and I say, may the bird of paradise fly up your nose... May your wife be plagued with runners in her hose. If that is my mindset, then my desire does not line up with God's desire. People who line up with God's desire, their treasures are laid up in heaven because their hearts are focused on heavenly desires. Lay your treasure up in heavenly places and you will walk out heavenly desires. 
So I have a few questions for you. Where is your heart? What are your desires? And can you describe them to me without any hesitation? If we were having a one-on-one conversation and I ask you, what is your desire? And you have to stop and really think, then there's something wrong. You need to get in tune with God and really get a clear picture of what he wants to do in you and through you. That's the people who live for God, who listen to God, who take time and have joy in the Lord. Then there's the second type of people, people who don't know what they desire. If, you're, if you don't know what your desire is, you are living by default. You're living by default. Because people who are living by God's plans and God's desires are living by divine design. But if you're not following and understanding God's desires for you and through you, you are living by default. That means your life is just generic. It means that your life is scattered, unplanned, dysfunctional. A pastor once asked people at the altar, what can I do for you and what can God do for you today? And the people responded, I don't know. And that's exactly what they got. They didn't know what they really wanted God to do for them. You must get clarity. You must locate what your desires are. You must identify those desires and make sure they line up with God's desires. So how do you locate your desires? Show me your bank account. Show me your library. Show me your calendar and your friends, and I can tell you what your desires are. Show me these things, and I can tell you where your heart is and where your treasure is. Let's talk quickly about giving habits. Seeking God first means giving God my first. I don't skim off the top and then give God what's left. Seeking God first means giving God my first. God's best comes when I give Him my best. And if you're giving God the leftovers then that's what you're going to get. It's giving habits. What are your desires concerning giving habits? If it is a chore and not a joy, then something's wrong with that. Let's look at your reading habits. What's in your library? If your library is full of the 50 shades of gray, then you should be turning 50 shades of red right now. Because it is not a life-building strength faith building books those criteria don't line up with the word of god but if your library is full of faith building prayer encouraging marriage strengthening motivational books then you are bound to do great things in jesus name let's talk about your time management habits what's your daily calendar look like do you encourage someone daily How about Bible time and prayer time and listening time? Or is your time spent four hours a day on social media and three hours on television, which is the national norm for people 35 to 50? That is the national average. We, the old people, spend four hours a day on social media. We're outdoing the teens and the young adults. Think what you could do if you spent four hours before the face of God just saying, God, what do you want to do with me? It'll change your life.
And let me just meddle here. Your time management. If you come rolling into church at the altar call, you're missing it. That tells me where your desires are. It's not on getting the worship and the word. It's just by making a scene, checking in, saying, I went to church, and that's the depth. I'm sorry to be so blunt, but I watch people come in at noon in Needleland when the message is just about over. I've heard Pastor Rannon say when he leaves this Beaumont church to come to the Needleland office, to the Needleland campus, he says there are people still coming in when he's walking out. That's not good time management. If your heart's desire was to be in the presence of God on a Sunday morning, you will break every chain and you will, you will break laws just to get into the presence of the house of God. Time management. Let's talk about your friends list. Who are you hanging around? Who you hang around will tell me where your desires are. Are they building you up or are they tearing you down? Where are you getting your advice? Your marriage is falling apart, so you go to someone who's been married three times. Is that a wise thing? Absolutely not. Your emotional state of mind. Let's talk about your emotions. Because God operates through emotions. But how are you controlling your emotions? Are you worried all the time? Or do you worship all the time? Are you really praying? Or are you just worrying out loud? That's really what most of our time is. Dear God, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? How am I going to get out of this, Lord? I'm in big trouble. But you need to boldly say, God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing that you're the provider and the protector and the one that I call on. You are my rescuer in times of trouble. You're the one that's going to bring me out whenever I'm down and out. I thank you that I'm coming out of this, and I believe it's done in Jesus' name. That's how you begin to pray. Not worrying out loud. God already knows how bad it is. You don't have to go and remind him. You just need to tell him how great he is, and he takes care of the rest of it. Are you frantic or are you free? Are you positive or are you negative? Are you victimized or are you victorious? If you don't know what you are and where you want to go and what you want to do, then you are living by default. And there are several things I want to focus real quick, the dangers of living by default, the dangers of not hearing God clearly and really walking out the desires of God's heart in your heart. There are some things that are going to happen in your life that may be happening now. Number one danger of living by default, society will dictate your desires. Society is going to dictate your desires. If we're not careful, we're going to let society and social media tell us what our desires are because I don't know. They're going to tell me that to be important, you've got to go to work in this career. To be fashionable, you've got to wear that designer. To be cool, you've got to drive this car. To be, to be fit in, you've got to live in that neighborhood or go to that school. And you will kill yourself emotionally trying to live up to someone else's standards while God is standing in the wings waiting to share his desires. He wants to speak over your life. Don't let society do it. You're living by default, and it's a dangerous place. Most of us lose touch with who we really are and what we really want. And instead of following our God-ordained desires, 
our voice of gladness is drowned out and becomes the voice of conformity. Well, God, it's what they said about me. It's what they're saying that must be the popular thing to do. And what we're doing is we're sacrificing our desires on the altar of other people's expectations. Other people's expectations are putting us in categories and limiting us walking out the desires of God. Instead of living out our want-tos, we go through lives living out have-tos. We worry too much about what people think, which is evidence that we aren't spending enough time concerned about what God thinks. We're so worried about what everybody else is saying about us and thinking about us that we, we don't even stop to think, God, what are your thoughts toward me? My thoughts towards you are a peaceful and a prosperous end. That's what God wants you to get. That's the encouragement you're going to get. Not that you have to live up to this standard or you have to go to this standard or you have to be in this group and you have to follow them. God says, the plans I have for you are a blessed plan. They're full of favor, full of prosperity, and full of a treasured hope. I know what I have called you to do, and you will fulfill it if you just learn to tune in. So God's question to you is this. Why are you trying so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out? You need to let God define your success, not society. God defines your success and not society. Number two danger of living by default, it leads to no passion. Life is too short to not do what you love. So you need to start finding what it is you love and start doing it. It's that way. It's that time. But the problem is we don't know what we love, and we don't know what really makes us complete and what makes us tick. People perish for the lack of knowledge, the Word of God says. The word perish there actually means cast off restraint. They become careless. They become lazy. They lack discipline. They lack drive, and they lack passion. So people who don't know where to go or what to do or how to do it, they perish. They get careless, and they have no passion and no drive and ambition. They don't amount to very much, and mediocrity is all they accomplish. An 11-year study at an elite musical school showed that students who had talent but persevered because they had a passion, their passion trumped their talent. They may have started off as weak musicians, but because of their passion, they pushed through every adversity and they became the greatest musicians because their passion trumped their talents. It was the student's passion and drive and desire that inspired them to take greater risk and gave them the motivation to persist in the face of adversity. And I looked up some examples of great people in our history who have pushed through adversity and have come out to be top of their class, the best, even though someone told them they would never amount to anything and they were useless and they were no good. Steven Spielberg was rejected by the University of Southern California School of Cinema twice. He, they said, you're not worthy to come and be a student in our college twice. But Steven Spielberg became a three-time award-winning movie director and has grossed Hollywood $9 billion. And because the school felt so bad about their bad decision, they built a building and named it after him, and it's still there today. Justified. Thomas Edison was told by his teachers that he was stupid and would never learn anything. 
He went on to invent over a thousand inventions, and many of those we still use today. Walt Disney was told by his boss, you lack imagination and you have no good ideas. He went on to build an imagination empire that is known worldwide. Michael Jordan was kicked off his high school basketball team because his coach said he had no talent. Six championships and five MVP honors later, he is the name in basketball. All of these knew their giftings, and they burned with a passion because they knew that they desired, and they knew what they wanted, and they went after it, even though somebody said they'd never reach it. You need to go for whatever God has placed in you. Whatever the desire, no matter how impossible, you need to put God in there and watch Him do something great. The key is finding the place where gifts and desires overlap. This is the key. God-given gifts are what we're best at, but God-ordained desires are what we're most passionate about. And that place where these gifts and desires overlap is your sweet spot in life. Find that sweet spot. What makes me happy? What makes God happy? And what is bringing glory to God? That's my sweet spot. The third danger of living by default, it leads to wrong motives. The Apostle Paul said this, do nothing out of selfish ambitions. Selfish desires have a self-serving motive. It says, what can I get out of this? And that's selfish. God wants to kill your selfish desires, and he wants to amplify his desires because true happiness is found where your motives serve God and others. So your question should be, How can I serve God and others in what I'm about to do? How can my desire make life better for everyone around me? That is a God-given desire. There's a fine line between thy kingdom come and my kingdom come. And we are guilty of this. And if we cross that line into my kingdom come, my way first, then God will withdraw his favor. And I want you to understand this. In God's kingdom, if we do the right things for the wrong reasons, we still don't get credit. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, the wrong motives, God says, I don't accept it. You don't get credit for that. You're doing it for selfish motivation. It's all about the motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? If it's to glorify God, then that is right, because the only reason for doing anything is to glorify God. And in the long run, you receive the benefits from giving God all the glory. So your motives have to be pure. I want to go into five quick keys that are going to open up some doors for you and open your ears to hear from God. God whispers to us, and he'll do it in three different ways. He'll do it audibly, where we hear the desires of God for our life. He'll do it visibly, where we see, visibly, we begin to see in the spirit realm what God sees, and we begin to see his desires and his plans for us. And then there's emotionally, we feel God's desires. So God's either going to speak to you, or he's going to show you, or you're going to feel something in your spirit that I know that I know that I know this is God's plan, this is God's word for my life. So I want to focus on on the emotional, because that's the one that most of us operate under. 
God really doesn't speak audibly very much to many individuals anymore. And it's rare that we get an actual heaven's open vision. It's rare. So most of us will come in tune with God through our emotions. He will let us feel what he feels and begin to understand what he is understanding. But we have to understand what these emotions are because most of us will think, is this me or is this God? You ever been there? Is this me or is this God? The danger of letting emotions take over is that they can confuse you and you can overthink something very simple and plain that God is saying to you. You can overthink it and overanalyze it. So since most of us hear God emotionally, I want to give you five cautions to help you keep your emotions in check. Watch over your emotions so that you can determine, this is God, I know without a doubt, He's speaking to me and He's sharing with me His desires. The number one caution is you need to check your ego at the door. Check your ego at the door. You have to put your ego on the altar every single day. Because if you don't, you're going to be constantly comparing life with others. And you won't even accomplish much for the kingdom of God because it's, 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 it will only be about you. If you constantly say, well, I'm keeping up with the Joneses. I look like the Joneses. I sound like the Joneses. I'm driving with the Joneses drive. I live where the Joneses live. If you're constantly comparing yourself to the Joneses, you're missing a higher calling, which is saying God has got me right where he wants me, no matter what can shape and what content I'm in. God has got me right where he wants me. Do you know you could be doing the will of God and God can oppose it? And we know this because the Bible says God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. Scripture, that's not my words, that's God's word. Having pride is letting ego have the loudest voice. Ego is crying out, do it for yourself. Do it for your family. It doesn't matter if you're having to walk all over everybody just to get ahead. Just do it for yourself. That's pride. It has the loudest voice. It's what you beckon to. It's what you're listening to. And attempting to do God's will in, without the right spirit and without and getting ego out of the way and getting ego in, 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 in its uh, trap. If you can trap ego, you will make strides forward. But if you don't allow ego to get under control in your life, then you are going to take two steps forward and three steps backwards. It's a dangerous place, ego. Number two, another caution. If you want it too much, you might want it for the wrong reasons. If you're stepping on anybody else's desires to get yours ahead, that's not God's desire. If God has become your second thought, then your thought has become an idol. And an idol is anything you desire more than God. But whenever we are willing to put all of our dreams and desires on an altar in favor of putting God first, God will sometimes say, you've earned that dream and privilege again. I'm giving it back because you have learned to control the emotions and the, the pull that it has on you. The number three caution. Emotions are great servants but terrible masters. Don't make decisions when you're in a spiritual frenzy or depressed. That's how you get bad tattoos in wrong places or say the wrong things. When you make decisions, when you're not feeling the most sharp 
and the most worthy. The ninth fruit of the Spirit is so crucial to a Christian's walk. And the reason it's the ninth fruit of the Spirit is in its self-control, by the way. Ooh, that's a hard one. Some of you just cringe whenever I said self-control. Because some of us haven't got self-control. It's mastering us instead of me mastering it. It is not my servant. It is my master. But we have to get emotions to be our servant and not the master. And when self-control is finally elevated in my life, I no longer have to worry about, is this God or is this me? I will know in my spirit, this is the Lord speaking and I will follow through. But if your emotions are in the way and they are controlling you and you're overthinking, then self-control begins to loosen its grip on your life and anything begins to come in and take over. The reason self-control is listed last is it because it, is, it takes the longest to cultivate in your life. But once self-control has control in you and the Spirit is in charge, you will not make rash decisions or emotional decisions and, and, and foolish decisions because self-control is the gatekeeper to keep all the other emotions in check. That's how you need to look at self-control. The number four caution only fools rush in. Only fools rush in. To test if the desire you're feeling in your heart is of God, you need to give it some time to simmer in your spirit. You need to sleep on it. You need to fast and pray over it. You need to see if the desire gets stronger or weaker over time. If the thought and desire makes you smile, if you go to bed thinking about it, if you wake up thinking about it and joy just overflows in you, then you know that it is stronger than it was yesterday. This is the desire of God for my life. But if you have any check, any red flag, any caution, you don't need to follow through with that desire until you have let it simmer in your spirit over time. Last point. And I'm closing after this. A little emotional intelligence goes a long way. You have what is called emotional intelligence. You have an IQ, which is your book knowledge, but you have emotional intelligence, which is knowing right from wrong, knowing this is right. No, that's not good, staying away from that. You have emotional intelligence. 80% of your success rate is based on your emotional intelligence. Your IQ for your success in life, your IQ only contributes 20% of the factor. What that means is you may, you may not have very many book smarts, but you listen to the voice of God. You're in tune, and you've got your emotions under control, and your desires line up with God's desires that means you have an 80% chance more of success. But if your emotions run amok and you stay in trouble, you stay in a frenzy, you keep making poor decisions, then you're going to fall into that 20% that will never really taste pure, godly success. Jesus was a master of walking into a room and reading everyone's mail. He could walk into a place, into a city, and he could just sense what was going to happen. He walked in emotional intelligence. 
He can look at a person's face. He can look at their actions. He can listen to their words. And he can determine this is what they're doing right. This is what they're doing wrong. Jesus is walking in this room right now. Jesus already had a plan before he walked into the cities and was confronted by the skeptical Pharisees who tried to nail him to a a, a debate and tried to get him to, uh, to stumble all over his words. Jesus knew the Pharisees' intentions and he was able to shut their mouths and close the case with brilliant questions right back at them because he knew what they were up to. He knew what their desires were. They were desires to trick him up and to make him stumble over his own beliefs and his own words. But Jesus knew that he was there under the power and the unction and the desire of God. He was planted there on purpose and nothing was going to distract him or deter him from following through on God's plan. Jesus knows exactly where you are, what you're facing, what questions are in your spirit. He knows exactly what you have need of. Jesus could walk into a house. He could walk into a city. And he could see the hurting and the helpless. And he went to them and said, I'm your hope. I am your help. I am your healer. I am the way, the truth, the life. I can bring you before the Father. I can give you the answers to every question. I can give you peace where there's no peace. And I can give you hope where there's no hope. Jesus could walk into this room right now and in moments you're going to fill this altar and people are going to come up here saying, God, I don't know what my desires are. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what your plans are for me. And you're going to have a great team of people down here that's spirit-filled, that are in tune with God. Their emotional intelligence is skyrocketed for you because God has placed them in your path so that they can show you the desires of God's heart for you. Jesus walked into towns and cities asking this one question most of the time, what can I do for you? What will you have me do for you? What do you want me to do for you? That's the question he's asking you right now. What do you want me to do for you? Can you clarify it? Do you even know? I'm telling you, approaching Jesus and saying, I'm not going to hesitate anymore, but I'm going all the way. I'm taking it to Jesus this morning. Jesus is going to meet you at these altars, and he's going to answer that very question. You're going to walk out of here with direction and clarity and energy and excitement and joy. You're going to walk out of here the way God intended you to walk out. Not how you came in. You're going to walk out of here a changed person, full of desire, full of drive, full of passion, full of pure motives, and a person with emotional control working for you. I want to say a blessing over you before I go. And then Pastor Brandon's going to come up, and he's going to continue the service. But I want you to think about the desires for giving, the desires for time management, your desires for what you're really reading and putting into your spirit every day, your desires for time with God, what are they? Are they motive? Are the motives pure? Are they righteous? Lord, I bless these people. Lord, you've given me the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I am not limited in any way. I am able 
to say, blessed be the child of God because the Lord who reigns is in this house. I thank you that a healer is in this house and that hope is in this house and a restorer and a redeemer and salvation is in this house. And God, I bless them with purity. I bless them with your salvation. I bless them with your delivering power. And I bless them, God, with an open heart to hear the voice of God showing them the way that they should walk. Teach them this morning. Begin their teaching today and put them in the right path with the right people. In Jesus' name I pray over them. Amen and amen.